0: Well, it is so good uh, to be together, and it's great to kind of have to do one of these things, pan back and forth. So if my back is to you, I apologize. Uh, Hopefully, all of you can see the screen, uh, but I'll try to let you know what's up there, if there's anything uh, pertinent uh, or important. It's always a joy. Uh, to worship together, to celebrate what God is doing in our lives. And again, if you're, if you're new with us today, I just want to say uh, we are so glad that you're here and we just pray that you feel welcome. If this is your first time ever or you haven't uh, been a part of a church family for a while, we just want you to know that there's a place for you here, that you're welcome, and that uh, we just want to invite you into our living room here today and say that you are welcome uh, as a part of this family. Uh, You may have noticed that things are set up a little bit differently today. Some of you are sitting in a little different places uh, than you're normally used to. Um, There's no aisles. Is that throwing anybody off that there's no aisles? Are we okay with that? Are we okay? You kind of have to wander through. It's kind of like a maze. It's kind of fun that way. Um, if you have been around here for a while, uh, you'll know that you know we feel a little bit reorganized uh, this morning. We're calling these kind of our chair pods. So this is kind of we're podcasting. That's how we're doing this here. Um, but we're excited about this new way of spending our time here together. Uh, it's a very, I guess, a unique way, a, a model for how we want to function as a church. For us, this isn't just a seating arrangement. It's a picture of who we are. We've talked about this before, that that we desire to be a church of small groups, not a church with small groups, that we are doing life together during the week, that what we do here on Sunday morning is just one aspect of life together that we're talking about. And that's our theme this year. At Hope, we're talking about community. What does community look like? What does it look like to be in a relationship together as the church? Not to just come and be a spectator and sit on the sidelines, but what does it look like to be in community? And so that's kind of the big picture reason of why the chairs are going to be set up uh, this way during these weeks of Lent. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. And for those of you that may not be familiar with what that looks like, um, the church year is set up in a way that in the 40 days leading up to Easter, We reflect. We tend to turn inside of ourselves to prepare ourselves for Christ's resurrection, for his, his death and resurrection, which is coming on Good Friday and Easter. This past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and now during these six weeks of worship, we celebrate Lent. And as you're, uh, you'll discover in a bit, um, as we tackle this idea of a year of community, um, in a little bit, you're going to have the opportunity to uh, discuss with each other and uh, to interact a little bit during the message. So this is not a one-way dialogue uh, today that you're going to be a part of the message uh, today. And so if, if this seems a bit scary for you, if you walked in this morning, you're like, Uh, I'm used to the pews. I want to face straight forward. I don't want to look at anybody when I'm worshiping. That's okay. That's okay. There's no pressure uh, to share. There's no pressure to share anything you don't want to share. Um, we just ask that you hang out and and listen and be be a part of the group. I don't think that anyone bites. I'm pretty sure that no one bites. So I think we're going to be okay. Um, but I do challenge you over these next six weeks to take up this challenge and to sit by some people that you normally don't sit by. In fact, we're probably forcing you to do that right now. Um, Next week when you come, maybe don't sit with the same people. Mix it up a little bit. Get to know some people, uh, but also spread out a little bit. And, um, and uh, as, we, as we continue to grow wide as a community, as you notice the gym's filling up a little bit more here, it's important that we not only grow wide, that we go deep. Right? We need to be both. Christ says, go and make disciples. So we're growing wide and we're growing deep as we grow into maturity in him. So today we're beginning a new sermon series uh, during these weeks of Lent. We're talking about the spiritual disciplines and we're calling calling this series Extreme Makeover. So it's not the TV show. Nobody's getting a new hairdo. We're not rebuilding any houses uh, right now here on Sunday mornings. There's lots of missions opportunities going to be coming your way. But here on Sunday mornings, we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. We're going to be diving deeper into some of the ways that God wants to change Change us from the inside out. To do an extreme makeover not only on the outside of what you look like or on the outside of a house, but to really do an extreme makeover inside of us. That's how God brings change to our life, our lives. And it's during Lent, of course, as you know, that some of you that are kind of familiar with the church here, it's during Lent that people like to give a lot of things up right? That's kind of a tradition that Christ gave his life up for us. And so we give up things for him. Now I'm not against this. I think, I think it's a really important thing. I think a lot of people take it very seriously and it's very helpful, but some of the things I've heard people giving up this year, um, um, diet Pepsi. It's rough. Um, chocolate. Some of you, that's pretty difficult. Uh, giving up chocolate, um, television. Wow. That's a tough one, huh? Give that a shot. If you haven't tried that ever, not just during Lent, you can do without it. Um, Facebook, ooh, is that going to hurt anyone? Facebook, some people are giving up Facebook. Um, uh, What else? Um, I know what I've given up. I've given up on the Iowa Hawkeyes basketball team uh, a long time ago. Iowa State fans are cheering. There you go. So we give up lots of these things. And for some people, they're really powerful. And for some people, they take it very seriously during Lent. And it's a powerful experience of opening up our hand and saying, God, nothing that we have is ours. Right? It's on loan from you. And we just want to declutter our lives and let go of some of those things that we don't need. Um, and that's all good and well-intentioned. But I think for many people, um, the, the, the danger becomes is that when we give up these things during Lent, they can easily just become a ritual right? Just as anything we do in worship, whether it's prayer or reading scripture or worshiping, we can just kind of go through the motions sometimes, right? And I think sometimes during Lent as we're giving those things up uh, for these 40 days, it can just be kind of become a a ritual and, and we never really get to the core issues that God wants to address in our hearts. And so, um, when I was thinking about this and and thinking about the way that that I've done this personally sometimes, when I have something that I know that God wants to get at in my life, uh, whether it's my anger, whether it's my pride, whether it's a a sin that I I haven't repented of yet, and I know that God really wants to get to that. He wants to heal me. He wants to set me free. What I like to do is to to just get really busy because then I don't have to deal with it, right? And for some of you, maybe whatever you're giving up for Lent is that thing that's kind of covering it up. You know there's something deeper inside, right? But what we do is sometimes we use these things we give up for Lent as Band-Aids. Right? We just kind of slap it on top. And so if you're doing that, I want to encourage you to do that this Lent, but I want to encourage you to not use it as a Band-Aid. Instead, what I want to challenge us to do as, as a community over the next six weeks is to ask God this. God, during these next 40 days, how do you want to break into my life? God, have your way in me. Essentially, we're, we're giving God permission. God, I, I am yours. Do whatever you want to do in me. That's what an extreme makeover looks like. It's that idea of saying, God, I, I want whatever you have for me. And instead of just putting the band-aid on that's going to get ripped off or fall off, God, I really want you to address what it is that you really need to get a hold of in my life. Because after all, God's not interested in just fixing your bad habits, right? Maybe you've been told that before that Christianity is just the main purpose of Christianity is to make you into a nice person, (laughs) just to make you a moral person. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't get me excited at all, (laughs) right? I don't want to be a part of that. I mean, I I can go to a club and, and they can teach me how to be a nice person. Jesus isn't just interested in, making, in fixing your habits and making you in a better person. Jesus is, is in, interested in making you into a very different kind of person. Changing your heart from the inside out. That's what he is after. Following Jesus is this growing experience. Where, where when we come to faith, we don't just stand still in our faith. We're constantly moving. We're constantly growing. It's a, it's a constant process of, of giving up the old so we can take on the new. And so maybe as we're talking about these things, maybe some of you are sitting and saying, man, you know what? That's me today. Maybe some of you are just kind of beginning that journey of faith. You're kind of exploring what that looks like. Or maybe some of you have been on the journey for a while. You've been coming to worship, but, but you've been to plenty of churches before, but you've just kind of seemed to hit this plateau, right? In your spiritual life, do you ever feel like you have kind of peaks and valleys where you sometimes you feel close to God and sometimes you don't? Maybe some of you are saying today, you know, I'm just kind of on this plateau, I want God to to do something new in me uh, during Lent because there's nothing really life-giving about my faith anymore, right? There's no joy in it. God says, God commands us to have joy. So why is there not joy in my life? I mean, after all, Jesus says to us, John chapter 10, verse 10, one of my favorite verses, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And some of you are saying, I don't feel that. Where is that abundant life? I, I'm, I'm not feeling that. So, so the question on the table for us today as we go through these next six weeks is how do we experience the life of Jesus in a real practical way on an everyday basis? What does it look like on Monday? Right? When you just really don't want to get out of bed and your alarm's going off and it's cold outside and you'd rather just stay inside. What does Jesus have to do with real life? Right? Well, enter the Spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Our soul training, as some people would call it. Some of them that we'll be talking about the next several weeks. Some of you may be familiar with them, right? Reading scripture, prayer, confession. But some of them that we're going to be talking about, you may not know that they're even a spiritual discipline. They may be very unfamiliar to you. Things like taking a Sabbath. Things like celebrating. Things like sleeping. (laughs) Imagine that. Things like resting, slowing down those sorts of things. We're going to be talking about those things, these spiritual disciplines that essentially are things that we do that will give God space in our lives. It is not about us. Spiritual disciplines are all about what God wants to do in and through us. And so right off the bat, as we start Lent, I want you to hear this. This is not going to be a sermon series about the seven steps to a happier life. Okay, my teeth just aren't that white and I can't smile that much and talk to you like that This is not seven steps to a happier life This is not the 10 things that you can do to be a better christian I'm, not going to load you with lists and lists and lists of things that you need to do to be a better person God wants to change us from the inside out, but it doesn't come through legalism and lists That's not what we're talking about. Instead. Jesus is saying to us in a world of quick fixes superficial relationships and the pressure to always perform he says my offer to you today is life my offer to you is the treasure of the gospel where there's real joy and real peace and real freedom and jesus says i want to help you experience that on an everyday basis and that's what the spiritual disciplines are all about Okay, first let's back up the truck here a second. Okay, John, that's all great. That's awesome. But for many of us, we probably hear the phrase spiritual disciplines and just kind of this heaviness comes over you, right? Does anybody feel that? Just when you hear that, just be honest. Yeah, when you hear spiritual disciplines, it's like, oh, right? It's just like this burden. Like, why is that? And so I want to think about that a little bit this morning, this heaviness. And for, for many of us, thinking about spiritual disciplines is probably just about as fun as shoveling your driveway, right? Maybe for the third or fourth time a day, you know, recently. And, and it's, it sounds just about as much as fun as that. It's boring. It's tiring. It's a waste of time. There's really no real point to it. Um, or maybe for you, it's not so much that. It's you've been down this road before. Oh, I've heard plenty of sermons on spiritual disciplines. I've been told I need to pray more. I've been told I need to read my Bible more. All these things. But somehow, when you started off in those disciplines... They just kind of got lost in the busyness and the hecticness and the stress of life. They're usually the first things to go because our life gets so full of so many other things. That, that joy that we once had in following Christ, eh, it's more so of a duty now. So how does that happen? What happens? And so instead of me telling you that, You're going to discuss that. So, if you can, in your pods, one person underneath the middle chair has a little sheet that looks a little something like that. It's got the Life Together logo, and uh, who's ever sitting there uh, gets to ask the question. There's no leaders in the group, uh, but if those of you on the ends of your chairs would just kind of turn them in, and you can ask question number one, what does it look like in your life when you hear the word spiritual disciplines? What does that look like for you? And there's a list of different options there. Maybe it's that, maybe it's not. So I want you to work through and take about the next three or four minutes as a group um, and uh, share a little bit about what you think of when you hear spiritual discipline. Alright, we're going to keep trucking just for the sake of time here, but uh, feel free to touch base with these people afterwards if you want to continue those conversations. Um, If you're in those groups, if you just want to turn your chair uh, back now um, towards the front. Um, So as you talked about in your groups, as you may have discovered, when we're honest it's very easy for a lot of us to have this skewed perspective about what spiritual disciplines are, right? Maybe some of those things that were listed on the sheet. And so I thought, you know, before we can move forward in this Lenten journey and talking about all these spiritual disciplines that we should do, right? We probably need to bust some of these myths about what spiritual disciplines are not. Has anyone watched Mythbusters? Anyone ever heard of that show? We're going to do some myth busting today, okay? We're going to bust some myths. So the first myth I think that there is about spiritual disciplines is this. Spiritual disciplines are just Christian duties that we perform because we think we should. Right? That, you hear a lot of people talking like that, right? Oh, I should read my Bible today. I should pray, right? It's kind of that heaviness, that burden we are talking about. Because maybe the church has told us to, or because our parents have told us to. Uh, but the danger is, when we treat spiritual disciplines like that, our hearts never engage. Right? It's more of even just an intellectual experience. Something we do to maybe just check off the list. Right, but our hearts never get involved, and so it moves from du- it moves from delight in God to a duty for God. And God says, "I want to move. I want to move that back. I want to move it from duty to delight." Think about it this way. So one of the things that I like to do uh, in my relationship with my wife is get her flowers. So once in a while I do this, not all the time, but once in a while. And so imagine I come home one day and she's had a really rough day, and I come home with this giant bouquet of flowers, and and I say, "Honey." I am so glad to be your husband. Here, I got you these flowers. And she goes, oh, John, that's so sweet of you. You shouldn't have. I love you so much too. I mean, that's how it always goes down, right? So she's just so overwhelmed by this and we're just so in love. And she said, oh, you shouldn't have. Thank you so much. You really shouldn't have. And then I respond with, well, I felt like I should. Uh, I thought it was the right thing to do. Um, I, I uh, I heard about some other husband's that we're doing that and I I thought it might be the right thing to do. No, her heart just goes, oh, right? That's not what she wants to hear, right? What she wants to hear is because I wanted to, because I delight in her, because I love doing it, not because it's an obligation, but simply because I have joy in the relationship. I want to make her happy. I want to bring her joy. I want to make her feel loved. And the same is true with God. Let's read this together, what Jesus says about this in John chapter 15. Let's read this together. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. Talks a lot about joy, huh? He's pretty serious about this. God's not looking for a superficial relationship with you. He wants the real deal. In fact, one of the groups that Jesus gets the most angry with during his time on earth, the Pharisees, were those people that just kind of went through the motions, right? They knew all the duties that they should perform, right? They knew all of it, but it never really got to their heart. Jesus says of them in the Gospel of Matthew, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And again, in John chapter five, Jesus says this directly to the Pharisees, the the religious leaders of the day, the people that have all these lists of the things that we should do to be a good law abiding person. Jesus says this, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. But these are the scriptures that testify about me yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And I wonder if Jesus is saying that to you this morning. It's not just about getting through your daily Bible time. It's not about just getting through your prayers at mealtime or at night. Jesus says, I want to have a real relationship with you where you're coming to me to find life. And all those things that you do, they are just means to an end. So we know that Jesus is obviously after something much more than just disciplines and, and empty duties so that's myth number one <laughs> busted Myth myth number two let's move on to myth number two and this is even more damaging at times i think for our relationships with god it's kind of a combination of a few of those choices that were on your sheets spiritual disciplines are a way to earn god's love or simply ways of trying to be a better person right we don't talk about that as much, but you hear, peop- you hear it in people's thoughts. You hear it in the way that they talk about God. I'm just not good enough. Right? I'm just not cutting it. God must be disappointed with me, right? I haven't been to church in a while. God must not love me anymore, right? And so many of us are, are, instead, we look at scripture and that's not what we hear. We, w- many of us are familiar with, with um, this verse from Ephesians, right? For it is by grace you have been saved. It doesn't say it is through your spiritual disciplines you have been saved. It says by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. And, I, I, and, and in my heart of hearts, I don't doubt that any of us believe that, right? I don't doubt that any of us here today believe don't believe that it's a gift of God, that, that we are here because of grace. It's, it's all about what God's done. It's not about what we do. But how easy it is for us to start making our own lists, right? Even as Christians that have been following Jesus for a long time, we start to make our lists, and we kind of do this subconsciously, but it's, it's, it's all about Jesus plus some Bible study. It's all about Jesus plus if I pray enough. It's all about Jesus, plus if I'm in five small groups. It's all about Jesus, plus if I'm a regular church attender. And hear me out. None of those things are bad. They're awesome. They're great. But they're not going to earn us God's love. You already have that. There's no ladder that you need to climb in your life of spiritual disciplines. You have all the love in Jesus Christ that you will ever need. But we all do this at one point or another. Well-intentioned Christians. And we, what it is, it's a false narrative. We start to believe the wrong story about, instead of the one that Jesus actually tells in Scripture where there's nothing you can do to earn his love. Now certainly there's nothing wrong with wanting to please God. Don't hear me wrong. Spiritual disciplines, what they do is they lose their place when they become the end rather than the means. When checking something off our list it becomes more important than that interaction, that experience with God. You might want to write this down. Disciplines are not the barometer of your spirituality. Spiritual disciplines are not the barometer of your spirituality, how you tell if you're a good enough Christian or not. They are examples of what that looks like, but the true barometer of our spirituality is, are we growing in our ability to love God and love others, right? Right? That's the true barometer. Jesus says the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God and love others, right? That's the greatest commandment. That's the barometer. Um, Our barometer is Jesus' words. Love me, love others. And so if we're growing in that, we're on the right track. So rather than making up our own brand of legalism and just giving us more things to feel guilty about, Jesus says if you really want to change, if you really want to see transformation in your life, it starts with grace. It's not about you. It starts with grace. That's got to be your motivation. That's got to be your motivation. It's got to start at the cross. Not more lists. Not more rules. Jesus says, it starts with my grace. And he says, you can talk about it all day long. You can read about it. You can even sing about it, right? As we sang this morning, Why is your love and grace. Why is your love and grace. We can do that all day long, but it never really gets inside And maybe that's what Jesus wants to do in you during Lent. Do you really believe it's all about grace? Can you give yourself the grace to let me love you? Let it inside. Jesus says, I want to bring joy back into your relationship. When you think about spiritual disciplines, I want you to think about joy. I want you to think about experiencing me in powerful ways. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is a Lutheran teacher and pastor that we've talked a little bit about, that wrote the book Life Together that we're basing this series on, Bonhoeffer says this, Happy are those who know that discipleship simply means the life which springs from grace. And that grace simply means discipleship. Right? We can't separate grace and discipleship. It's not about you going off and doing your own thing trying to earn God's love. We can't separate them. Jesus says, I've got a better idea. Instead of beating yourself up, instead of of trying harder... Start training wiser. Train rather than try. And so what does he mean? Well, as it turns out, all throughout the Bible, we never really see the word try. <laughs> but we use that all the time in our spiritual lives. I'll just try harder. I'll just strive more. But We never see that in scripture. But what we see is over and over and over again is this idea of training, right? Like we read in our scripture for today train yourself to be godly Paul says for physical training is of some value but godliness has value for all things and so this idea of training as an athlete we see over and over again especially in Paul's Paul's letters and so it reminds me a lot of the reason that I've been glued to my TV for the past several weeks right the olympics does anybody have olympic fever give a little give a little holler if you do are you with me olympic fever anyone okay so I've got Olympic fever. Um, I wasn't sure if I quite had it yet because i was watching when watching it late night, all after 10 o'clock at night. And so I've been watching the late night show and catching up on, on all my Olympic coverage. And I, did, I, I wondered if I had Olympic fever. I wondered if I had it yet. But then the other night I was watching and I was about that close. I was about two seconds away from, from asking my wife if she wanted to pursue um, a life together of ice dancing uh, as a couple. So we talked about that for a little bit um and considered that and uh it's i don't i don't know what came over me but i was just so excited and you know something you know you have olympic fever when you want to do the tango on skates you know it's something something comes over you but as i've been watching okay with the olympics i don't think there's any better example of training versus trying right training versus trying just that idea that for so many of the athletes that you're watching on the olympics They're training day in and day out for four years, most of them for two minutes, right? They train four years to go down a hill for two minutes or to go around the track for a minute. Or to go head first down a slippery slope. I don't know what that's all about. Um, but, but it's training rather than trying. And so it makes me think of this Evan guy. This Evan Liacek uh, or something like that. He's American, right? And he's our U.S. gold Olympic skater, right? So there's Evan. He's up there. He just won the gold. So Evan has been dedicating his life for the last four years and even probably the rest of his life since he was a little boy. He has been training for this. It has become the single passion of his life. And as much as all of us think that we could, as I was watching Evan the other night, I was like, oh, I can do that. I've been doing ice skating rink before. I just, I'm just, i good, I just don't know how to stop. Um, so as much as we'd, like, we think, uh, as we'd like to think we could, all of us to step out and do what he did, I think for most of us, if we tried to do that, we'd probably spend more time on our rear ends than actually skating, right? If you're anything like me. And so... Evan didn't get the gold medal by trying harder to be a better skater, right? He trained. He lived life intentionally with a purpose. Trying harder does not transform you into a world-class Olympic skater, right? We know that. But neither does trying harder allow you to authentically love God and others, to become a mature follower of Christ. And so back to you for question number two. In your groups, I want you to go around the circle. And before we get into this a little bit more, talk briefly about what you think the difference is. What could that look like in your life between trying and training when it comes to your faith and how you walk out every day with God? What would it look like to train rather than to try? Go. All right, if you kind of want to circle your chairs back. As you come back, I want, to, I want to read you a quick definition of spiritual training that might kind of set the stage for us as we go into Lent. And we continue these conversations. I encourage you to continue the conversations. And this may help you organize some of those thoughts that you've just been talking about in your groups. Um, John Orberg writes this, and this is in a, a book called The Life You've Always Wanted that some of you are, are reading in your small groups right now. He says this, Spiritual, spiritual disciplines, or spiritual training, in other words, is any activity that can help me gain power to live the life the way Jesus taught and modeled it. Right? One of the best analogies that anyone ever gave me about this, about what training looks like, about spiritual disciplines, is that if you're in a sailboat, you're going to accomplish nothing without the wind. Right? You can sit in a sailboat all day long... But if you never put up your sails, you're not going to go anywhere, right? Is it the sails that are doing the work? Or is it the power of the wind that's doing the work? Which one is it? It's the power of the wind. That's right. It's all about the wind, right? We simply make ourselves available. We put up our sails to allow the wind of the Holy Spirit to move us and change us and shape us, right? So that's an easy way of thinking about training rather than trying it's not about come on wind come on wind come on it's already moving it's already moving god's already on the move and we just put up our sails and allow god to work through us so in other words if we're called to train in godliness we probably need a really good trainer don't we <laughs> and we have the best trainer in the world some of you really like to show the biggest loser right where they're where they're training and they're losing weight they have some really active trainers on there that really get up in their face we have a better trainer. We have the best trainer that ever lived. And his name is Jesus. And he was a great leader. And not only was he a great leader because he told us how to live life, he modeled it for us. That's why we're called disciples, followers. We have somebody that we can model our life after. And so in a unique way, all these disciplines that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks, I was thinking about this. And in a way... It's kind of like we're just walking beside Jesus on those dusty roads of Galilee. Right? Spiritual disciplines are not you isolated, alone. It's walking with Jesus throughout your day, not just in the seemingly spiritual things of life. But when you go to work and your relationships and your family and your marriage, when you, when you play, when you're driving, everywhere that you are, it's like walking the dusty roads of Galilee with Jesus. Jesus is a great model. He's the greatest model ever. You watch Jesus, listening, practicing, following, having conversation with him, modeling our lives around him, becoming Jesus's apprentices. That's the disciplined life. And so when you look at Jesus, he was never stressed. When you look at Jesus, he was never hurried. He was busy, but never hurried. Jesus was intentional with taking time for solitude with his father early in the morning, for silence, but he also took time for celebration, right? Jesus loved to go to parties. He knew what a well-balanced life looked like. Jesus knew how to live in community, right? He hung out with 12, and within that three, Jesus knew what it was like to be in a pod. Jesus had his own pod, and he knew that community was also essential to the way that we grow and change. I want to close by reading you a passage from Matthew chapter 6, and this is actually from uh, the message translation of the Bible, but I really like how it puts it, and I think it captures the essence of what Jesus is talking about Matthew chapter 6 this is Jesus speaking what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving steep your life in God reality in God initiative God provisions don't worry about missing out you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right here, right now. I was thinking about that. I love that. Give your full attention. It's not so much about striving, is it? It's not so much about earning God's love. Give your full attention. God, I'm, I'm available to you. Do whatever you want to do in me. And so maybe the spiritual disciplines are just a way for us to encounter God that is already there. He doesn't need to show up. He's already there. The question is, are we aware of him? Are we aware of him? The God that is always with us everywhere. And So my challenge to you this week, as we enter into Lent, is to take some time to slow down and to listen And ask this question. God, what are you after in my life? Not just do you want me to give up Skittles or M&Ms. God, what do you really want to change in my life? What do you really want me to let go of this year? What does that look like? And prepare yourself to experience life experience the treasure of the gospel so much more than rules and regulations and just going through your lists his offer to you today is life use the spiritual disciplines not as something to just get through use them to find Jesus he's closer to you than you could ever imagine and he loves you more than you could ever imagine